and welcome to Women Who Self-Care, the podcast that seeks to encourage you to put your health and your ambitions first. My name is Boo Kartovic and today's guest is Lottie Leafy. Lottie is the founder and CEO of the Dura Society, which is a company that helps to coach, educate and empower creative, strong and ambitious women to improve their relationship with their wealth. The company, which was founded in 2016, is based on the desire for deeper connection between personal finance and well-being. They strive to dispel the notion that females and finance don't go together. Lottie is one hell of a woman and honestly, I know I probably say this with every single guest, but I had so much fun. Really, so much laughing. And it was very um, candid with this one. There's very minimal editing because we just did it once. Lottie was at work in her office break room and we just recorded. So, Lottie, welcome to the Women Who Self Care podcast. Well, Sue, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here this afternoon. <laughs> Excellent news. So, Lottie, when I say self care to you, what is your gut reaction to that term? What does self care mean to you? I think it is putting yourself before anything else, really, um, without being selfish, but actually learning to nurse yourself and really identify what it is that is going to make you the best that you can be. So is there anything actively you do to self-care? Learn what my boundaries are and learn to walk away from things that are not Mm. in my favour, but also stay true to what I believe in as well. I think that's really important. Absolutely. And that and that can take time. So I guess, how have you worked out what works for you and what doesn't work for you? <laughs> Trial and error. <laughs> Building resilience. Um, you know, I think, I think the more shit that's thrown at me, am I allowed to swear? I don't know. Yeah, um, the more I learn um, what I enjoy and what I don't enjoy. And I mm. think that it's just going through the process and putting myself out there as well. Yeah. Um, so whether it's careers, relationships, um, even, you know, diet, exercise, I know what I like and I know what works for me now. Um, mm. And I think it comes with age as well. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a learning process and learning who you are as well. It's really important. There's yeah. not one size fits all. No, one size does not fit all. And that's definitely what we want to push with women who self-care, that you've got to yeah, find out what works for you and not what someone tells you is going to work for you. So are there any rituals, habits that you do to self-care sort of daily, weekly, monthly? You know, if if anything. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming into pillows. Um, no, that's not one that I've got to yet. Um, but meditation, yoga, Pilates really really important so the I don't know if you've got the insight timer app I find this one really really helpful and if I need to try to switch off I will get in the bath turn the lights off light some candles listen to a meditation track try not to fall asleep in the water that's never a good thing but you know just zone out and just take some time for yourself is so important or I'll go for a walk you know if I am feeling really het up I will take myself out go for a march around the woods for a couple of hours put some music on and just clear my head um I think that's the most important thing I think if you're dwelling on something too much you need to kind of expel it somehow and and doing that in a constructive way is really important yeah I think there's two key words there constructive and too much as in dwelling too much I'm for an example quite naturally introspective so I find decompartmentalizing things very helpful for me to understand xyz however if it's not structured or formatted I can just it can send me into a downwards 
spiral and I think sometimes especially within the yoga sphere you know we're, we're talking about how no emotion is a bad emotion like you know you need to be able to think about the bad things not always be positive and whilst that's true if the balance is tipped more into sort of negative dwelling it's not going to be helpful um but Lottie what music is it that you listen to (laughs) (laughs) well it depends what mood I'm in but um if you see me stomping around London with my headphones in I'm more than likely listening to heavy metal um (laughs) I I find it really cathartic and do not knock it until you try it I think (laughs) if you can go back to you know get some Metallica on there if you can get some Slipknot on there I love Marilyn Manson I um will literally put it on as loud as I can and I will just go for a walk around London on my own and I just love that so I recommend it to anybody and actually I have seen that some people were starting up like rock yoga combo oh. I've not tried that I'm not sure how well that combo works but I can totally advocate for listening to heavy metal when you just need to you know get angry. it out <laughs> I just I have to tell the listeners as well that Lottie is just not the person who looks like she listens to heavy metal <laughs> in the slightest bit which I love breaking down those boundaries barriers and everything yeah so, 100% never assume <laughs> so you work in finance um and arguably that's a very stressful, or at least I've heard it is a very stressful environment. So Lottie is a finance, um, she's a wealth planner, sorry, who advises high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals. So firstly, before I ask you around about sort of self-care within finance, um, what what is a wealth manager? What, you know, I'm so unfamiliar with it. How did you get into it? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What is it? That's a great question, you know. And I think some people in the industry don't even know. Now, I, and I totally understand where people get confused because there are so many different elements within the industry. So you've got the portfolio managers, you've got the you know the stockbrokers, you've got the investment managers, you've got the financial planners, you've got um, you know uh, financial advisors, and and there's a totally different like spectrum throughout the different areas of wealth you know then you get into the family office style setup where it's not so sort of you know segregated but effectively what you do is you're helping individuals manage their wealth it's as simple as that and by wealth we mean um you know their pensions we're looking after their investments um so stocks bonds, portfolios and we're making sure that their needs are met uh in terms of capital preservation i.e if they've got some money keeping that money at the right level for them um or if they want capital growth you know if they want to be gaining more money than they need to, taking higher risk. And, uh, you know, you've also got considerations like their income needs. Uh, We're looking at, you know, other assets as well, like, um, you know, even artwork, luxury goods, um, yachts, uh, property. You know, there's a big, big world. But effectively, what I do is I help the clients to plan out what they need for the next 10, 20, 30 years, and even going back to next generation planning and how they will then pass down their assets to their, um, you know, their, their children. And, and it also can involve businesses, family businesses, um, and it's, yeah, making sure all of the tax considerations are there, if they've got multi-jurisdictions, um, and, and then you bring in the other experts as well, and you work alongside them, so the tax planners and the lawyers, it, and it gets super, super exciting. Oh, how did you get into that? Like, what, because it's not something you do at school, is it? I mean, no, I, I mean, honestly, I, I, if I say a complete accident, uh, would you believe me? Um, so I 
had three years in property and then I was like not feeling this right now um so I worked actually for in the shakes office for a bit and after that I then applied well a role was sent over to me to go and work for this woman in wealth management and I was like woman yes like like women you know uh wealth management not sure what that is um it's in Palmau good like that location I can go for a swim in my lunch hour you know great um so boxes were being ticked and bearing in mind I I studied design um at uni as well so that's another curveball but when I spoke to the woman on the phone when I was doing my interview I was just so engaged with her enthusiasm her passion her like complete different way of looking at things and I was like okay this is somebody I can learn from whatever it is I want to learn from her so she became my mentor my boss like you know she was fantastic she was running a you know an asset management firm out in Hong Kong she was American she knew her shit like she was incredible and she believed in me and I think that is what allowed me to stick with it because I you know I didn't even have an A-level in maths and that is the beauty of it is no no but it's not really about the math it's about what the potential is that your money has got and, and the psychology behind it and that is where I'm so grateful I had that opportunity to come into this industry because if I just turned up with my CV going hey you know investment bank or you know whatever can I come join you they would have kicked me out yeah. but I proved my worth. I got qualified. I could do it. And I was like, wow. And the confidence that you get from having somebody back you is just amazing. And this is why I'm so enthusiastic about spreading it, you know, spreading that, that, that encouragement to other women to say, it's not impossible. You can do it if you are shown the right way. So talking about that, spreading it around um, the sort of knowledge of finance and things, you set up the Jura Society, which was um, which has created a bridge between personal finance and well-being for women. So can you tell us a little bit about the Jura Society and what prompted you to found that? Although I think you have just said what has prompted you to found it. Yeah, no, but I mean, it, it wasn't even as sort of formulaic as that. So what happened was, uh, so I set up about four years ago, um, I had just qualified mm. I then had an accident ended up in hospital I'd broken my dura which is where the name comes from the dura matter is the membrane that protects your spinal column and your brain so effectively all of the cushioning and the liquid had leaked out which was incredibly painful and um yes. it took a long time for us to actually determine that this was the problem they were like oh no it's just a headache I was like no no, no literally my brain is smacking <laughs> against my skull little bit ouchy so whilst <laughs> I was bedridden for a few weeks and I had the most wonderful neurologist and she was just a lifesaver literally um I just got to thinking and I was like right okay you know if the worst came to the worst I cannot just be sitting around on my ass just not doing anything yeah. what do I enjoy what am I good at what do I now know and I think from my eyes being opened working in this office for this inspiring woman mm. I was like okay but there's a whole level below these high net worth individuals okay. who should have access to this knowledge mm. so I came up with a structure and I then went to the House of St Barnabas which is a not-for-profit members club that I'm part of mm. which uh, you know they encouraged it to end the cycle of homelessness and I worked with their members and I set up um, sort of a regular workshop uh, series, um, which had such a great turnout. And I was like, yeah, that is a massive need for that. So that was back in 2016. And what I'm loving now is just seeing how many people are now 
jumping on and taking ownership of Amazing. this concept of financial well-being. Like, you know, they weren't really talking about it then, but now you've got everybody popping up and, you know, and the big corporates are now like, oh, you know, maybe we should look after our staff and maybe money <laughs> is a cause of stress. How did we not realise this? Um, but yeah, it is. And yeah, I'm so excited about it. That is exciting. But can I just say, I'm really ignorant on this what is what classes is financial well-being what is that yeah so financial well-being is effectively having a good relationship with your money so mm. no matter what end of wealth spectrum you're in money causes stress undeniably because it yes. is the way that we transact our lives uh you know you need money to put a roof over your head to sustain a lifestyle to protect yourself if any problems occur you know to make sure you've got medical care to look after mm. your family for education all of these elements are rooted from money and so if you have this disconnect so say you maybe have fallen into debt or you know you're going through divorce and or something has just you know triggered you you're going to be severely affected mm. by that and so it's helping people to understand what they can do to put in place sort of using tools by speaking to people by understanding the language of finance as well that they can have a better control over their financial future that's interesting about the language of finance and things like this and i'm just wondering is there a difference between the way in which men and women communicate or sort of view money and finance you know? Well, I think there's a different way that men and women communicate in general, and sometimes it just doesn't work. <laughs> we're not going into that. Um, I don't necessarily think it is... It's not as black and white as that, I don't think. I think that, you know, there's many women who work in finance, and they they speak this language. It's just because they haven't been presented it. You know, when at school, you're not encouraged to go and study economics. You're not encouraged to go and study finance yeah. as a girl. Um, which, you know, I wasn't, and I was much like, yeah, I'm going to go and create things and everything will be lovely. And then you come out to the university, you're like, oh, a job? What? Oh, really? Okay. Great. I didn't really realise this. And say thank you. Um, and I, yeah, and it's not like you can't understand it as a woman. It's no, just no. that it's not presented in that way. And yeah. so that's why I think it, it really stems from is the way that it's presented. Um, and I think that a lot of the jargon is kept in place because this like mystification means that you can charge higher fees because people are so confused and at their wits mm. end and stressed out um, that they'll just pay somebody to fix it. Yeah, just totally taking advantage of people. What was the name of the woman who helped you? Oh, yeah. So her name is Anne Cooley and she was one of the founding partners at St. James's Place. Um, and she was fantastic. Oh, so I was with her for about four years. Um, until she sized it, you know, it was enough, it's enough. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> so... I think she was sick of London, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I think we've all experienced that in the pandemic, sort of. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so you, you, you started out with a female um, boss and, but you know, finance has a reputation for being a bit of a boys club. If you found that mm. at all to be true or is it quite the opposite? Oh, 100%. So after that, I ended up at another place which if you click to me you can find out I won't name it on here um and then I had gone from being qualified financial advisor to effectively being treated as a PA um you know you, you got spoken over they weren't taken seriously and I think if you are quite like an upbeat optimistic person coming into quite a 
uh, draconian environment, mm. again, that's really going to get people's backs up, and especially yeah. men who just feel a little bit, you know, intimidated. Like, you know, why is she sparky? Why does she enjoy this? <laughs> We're not going to help her. You know, I'd literally get people throwing papers on my desk and like, you know, oh, can you do that? You know, like, and I'm like, okay, you, I, I just get you're not going to help me. So as ever, you know, if people aren't going to help me, then I'm just going to go and do what I want to do. <laughs> I love that. Do you know, I find that really interesting about the whole, I mean, clearly you're very sparkly. I love that. Um, but why, I, I don't know, because if it's like an intimidation thing, but I don't know why people think it's a, a sort of a doorway open to trying to walk over you. Because it's like, just because I'm kind of happy, you know, have a happy disposition doesn't mean that I'm going to be yeah, so yeah. like a doormat to you. <laughs> It's it's weird and, and maybe it's that's their problem. It's their problem though, and that's oh, the way I think that most people have to look at it. And do not let other people trample on you. And if they don't enjoy it, then it's just not going to work. So you just move on, and that's all you can do. Just keep going forwards. And if people aren't with you, then just ignore it. That's definitely a type of self care for you. I think, Lottie, you're quite tenaciously or adamantly um, like yeah. you believe in yourself, and you're like, well, to swear here, like fuck you if you don't. Like, yeah. be on, if you're not with me, then you're, you're not with me. See you later, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with regards to the Jura Society, you've worked with some massive names like Soho House, Condé Nast International, the Ministry of Justice. So you're definitely playing with the big dogs, Lottie. And we now know, because we have a good listenership now, and we can look at the analytics of who's listening, that obviously with a podcast that's about putting your health and your ambitions first, our listeners and now Instagram followers tend to be educated women who are ambitious and they're either high up in their industry which is interesting or they are aspirational like very aspirational and we're constantly told that statistically men will apply for jobs that they're not quite qualified for whereas women will do the opposite you know they won't apply for these jobs so in an attempt to try and encourage women to ask for the promotion, ask for more money, apply for the job. Are there any practical solutions or things that you do that you follow to help you be so confident and ambitious? So I have two mantras. One is from the wise words of Dr. Pepper, what's the worst <laughs> that can happen? And the other is Nike, just do it. And honestly, the worst thing that can happen is people say no, right? So I also kind of think I've got quite like a male um, outlook, and I think that's probably because of my dad and the upbringing, and he was just very strict, and so anything I had to do, I had to convince him to do it. And like even getting the internet, I made these posters, which were like ransom posters for all the benefits of getting the internet. This is when you had dial-up, and I stuck them in every single picture frame around the house. I even ran into his car, sellotaped it onto the wheel of his car. I put them in his briefcase before he was going to work, and basically did a campaign for why we should get broadband um and it worked so, <laughs> so if i want something enough i will make sure i get it um but it's as simple as that and i, I don't i can't say where that has come from i think it's just through having so much sort of disappointment that i've just learned that i have to do it myself and don't wait for people to hand things to you at all that's really important like don't screw people over i'm never going to be you know malicious i'm not vindictive i just know what i want and I am very happy to share with people and very happy to help people. But as soon as they cross the line, no. Well, that's a perfect example of understanding, knowing and setting your boundaries and knowing when you have a sort of um, non-negotiable where 
if something happens or whatever, whatever it is, knowing, knowing yourself well enough and also having enough self-worth to be able to follow through. Because often I think we see red flags. I'm going to talk not just with work, with relationships, with anything. We notice that we clock them, but then we might understand that that's crossed the line for us, but might not have the sort of confidence to go forward. But like with most things, the more you do it, you know, the more you practice it, um, the better you, you, you are at it. And it is quite exhausting. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) And and you do need to have time to recharge. As I said, you know, you go for a walk. Um, What was it? A couple of years ago, I took myself off backpacking on my own around Sri Lanka. And honestly, that's the best thing I've ever done for myself. Um, And my, you know, my dad was like, oh, you can't do it. You'll get in trouble. You'll mess it up. Blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, you're a girl. You can't do that. I was like, right, well, my flight's booked. I'll see you in a month. I love that. Hey, what prompted um, that though? What made you want to go to Sri Lanka? Because I knew it was safe for solo travellers. I did research. I knew it was safe for women, like safer for women and solo travellers. And I had mapped out exactly where I could go. So I was getting buses and I literally travelled all around. I only took public transport. And um, a hero. I loved it. it was so much fun. Lottie, you're my hero. This is so exciting. <laughs> but unlike Bridget Jones you really seem to have your shit together Lottie I mean if anyone cruises Lottie's uh, Lottie Leafy on LinkedIn honestly you look through it and you think what hasn't Lottie done she's got so many hats and part of so many associations and things but one thing that I was like oh this is interesting is you're an ambassador for insuring women's futures which is part of the Chartered Insurance Institute and one of the points for insuring women's futures is professionals working to improve women's lifelong financial resilience and to tackle some of the root causes of women's pension deficit so my question is in basic terms if you would um what are some of the root causes to women's pension deficits? Right. Well, uh, I don't know. you've probably seen the statistics that women retire on, you know, one quarter of the uh, pot of money in their pension than men do. And um, I think it goes back to what I was saying before about women not being encouraged to go into the higher paying jobs for mm. start. Mm. Um biologically you know we have the womb we if we like to replicate replicate ourselves we we have to take um maternity leave that is unfortunately still negatively viewed by companies and i think women of a certain age are still stigmatized as being um less you know um yeah, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, they're not going to be a committed employee. They're going to take time out, you know, again and again. You know, as, you know, as soon as you get to your mid-30s, you know, they're, they're engaged. I remember I was asked once, am I engaged um, in a job interview? And, um, you know, do I have plans to get pregnant? I was asked no. this once before. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I joked to them and I said, no, don't worry, I'll get my eggs frozen for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think that that is that is a big element of it. Um, I think also that pensions are just seemingly really confusing. So, like even before I started working in my pension, I was like, you know, what is the pension? Like, you know, it's just this thing that old people talk about. Like, oh god, what's that? And until auto enrollment came in. It wasn't on anybody's radar, you know. All of the jobs I had before before that came in 
nobody even spoke about pension, you know. And, and I think now that you're getting a little bit more clarity about what job perks there are alongside salaries, people are more aware about what they should be doing to contribute, what the tax relief benefits are, and, and what you actually do need when you get to retirement. So I think there's transparency and, you know, you've got companies like Pension B who are doing quite good marketing on, like, consolidating your pension to understand that it is invested in the stock market, that you will need that growth in order to achieve what you need later in life. And the fact that, um, you know, the government just isn't going to be able to sustain the level of pensions for um, for the whole of the UK. No. So we're going to have to start making our money work and really understand what it's going to cost us in retirement. Yeah. If we ever get to that stage, well, you know, know. we're living longer and so we're going to be having to work for longer. So we're going to have to be looking after our bodies. So that's going to cost more, et cetera, et cetera. And there's this compounding effect of stress and panic, which goes back to the financial well-being. So I think once you have answers to those kind of questions, you can then make a plan. Yeah, being pragmatic and real about things and just touching upon what you said about the realities of being a woman. You know, the reality is women are the people who are having babies and therefore will inherently need to take more time off. Not not all do um, take loads of time off, but I think most women do, you know, just from being pregnant. This is a huge thing. And I think women are very much pressured to sort of keep calm and carry on. And um, pregnancy is a massive toll on some women's bodies, if not all. Um and then obviously if they're breastfeeding, etc. There's all these things. And I look towards Scandinavia and it's less of sort of maternity, paternity leave. It's more childcare leave so that the role of parenting is placed upon both people who made the baby <laughs> and doesn't unfairly see one as being a potential burden on the business or whatever industry they're in. Because I'd say that's one of the main issues for when women have children is actually the return to work and a lot of that is down to financial problems, you know, um, not being able to afford childcare or the fact that your salary, your wage, whatever it is, it might only just cover the childcare. So you're essentially working to be able for someone else to look after your child. So then it's sort of like cost v benefit then. And you can lose a lot of your financial independence. And of course, it makes sense, you know, the way that this world has been set up, because really only in the last not even 100 years, I'm going to say 80 years, have women really been welcomed um, in the office and are now expected to do everything, <laughs> um, but expected to do it on a system that is just not set up for them and is not set up to support them in work. So going forward now, we need to recognise the other people who are part of society and not just see men's needs as needing to be satiated, fulfilled. It's now women in the workplace. And it's so, I think that really riles some people because there's just, it's just not what we're used to. And this is where, obviously, with you, Lottie, with financial well being and looking after women specifically and understanding their needs can actually make a real, a real pivotal difference in women in the workplace. And having that financial independence as well, because you can't just be socially dependent because you're not able to re-enter the job market. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's awful. But luckily, of course, we have people like you fighting in our corner. So you're helping women in the workplace, but also you're very supportive or you have a very supportive friendship group and you really help to lift each other's ambitions up, etc. And so I'd love it, Lottie, if you could tell everyone about your supper clubs. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So um, also when I was starting up with Jura, um, I set up 
sort of monthly supper clubs with my closest girlfriends and I put together these workbooks so that we could really assess what it was that we wanted to achieve in the next year and um it was just amazing how open people were and I really loved that we were all coming together and it wasn't just you know a little gossip and like <laughs> you know that kind of thing it was it was a meeting with a plan from people that hadn't necessarily known each other they're all very good close girlfriends of mine mm. but bringing them together in that space to be really vulnerable and to say you know what they felt had done well for them last year what they felt wasn't so good mm. and then what I always get any of my coaching clients to do or you know even what I got my girlfriends to do was was get them to think like when you've gone mm. how do you want to be remembered and then you end up sort of setting up your own your your mission for mm. your own life you know, what do you stand for? What do you believe in? What is your purpose? And I think once you've really done that, things tend to fall into place. And I think that it's when people don't have a purpose or they're struggling for a purpose that they can get a bit overwhelmed. Um, and that's something that, you know, my purpose now is defined as enabling women to have financial independence by whatever means that is possible. And that is what keeps me motivated doing mm. what I'm doing. It's not all fun. It's not all games. You know, it is stressful. I have to put myself you know on the line a lot and challenge people and they challenge me and um it, it keeps you going and I think mm. that that is one of the most rewarding things I just love that I, I love the whole you know getting together and I think you said last time we had a chat it was about like what what do you want as your epitaph <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm exactly. I love it. It's really, really motivating. Because once you're gone, you can't do anything about it. No, exactly. You know, <laughs> once, make the rest of it, please. What's absolutely fascinating, though, is that every single, every single motivating, successful, awesome, inspirational person that I have met, not just on here, although pretty much everyone, has this sort of awareness of their own mortality as a driving force for them to just live it's amazing but other than knowing that one day you're gonna have to have a gravestone <laughs> with some words inscribed on it is there anything else that you're working on right now that is driving you or any any things in the line Oshie, for you well good mm. thing you are i am actually in the process of setting up jura private yeah, very exciting. So this is going to be launching Q1 next year, and it is effectively going to be a private client project management service for women going through divorce. When they've come out, they predominantly will be left with no professional advisors um, because traditionally the financially more dominant party, i.e. the husband, um, will probably take them away with them because they have the relationship with them. Yeah. So what I will do is work alongside the client and help them to build up this sort of army of professionals who they can mm. trust, who you know I advocate for and help them to make the selection. And then we work together to bring them back to financial independence through building their confidence to help them to understand what their position is now and what their position is later. And to just work alongside everything to do with you know their real estate with their investments you know even if they wanted to branch out to creating their own business if they're looking at um art collecting sales um anything like that it's just kind of like a one-stop shop mini family office for them to really benefit from in a totally independent way as well i mean you sound incredibly 
busy, exhausting, in fact, but well done. It sounds like a fantastic venture to go down. Yeah, thank so, you. I'm also working in a private equity fund at the moment as well. Um, just, you know, when I've got a bit of spare time, I, I like to fill it with um, <laughs> good work. Um, no, but I love it. It's really good fun. So I see you, Lottie, as a very successful woman. What is or who is a successful woman to you? Anybody who's just comfortable in their own skin, I think, is inspiring to me. Um, somebody who is just, yeah, completely, I hate this word authentic because, you know, people are very comedian anyway, and I don't think that they are static. Mm. I just think that if you are, you know, marching to the sound of your own drum or, you know, without being vindictive or anything like that, um, just somebody who, who knows what they want and, and they're going out and getting it, I think is great. Off the top of your head, Lottie, do you have any financial advice for women to accrue, invest, look after, whatever, their money? Yes. Okay. Well, starting point for anything is understand what you earn, what you owe, what you save and what you spend. Once you've got these four figures in place, you'll be able to make a plan. So that's anything that's coming in, what's coming out. And I really find it really helpful for you to detach yourself emotionally from your finances and run yourself and your finances as a business Mm. so you take more responsibility over what you're doing try and get into a habit of sitting down on a regular basis and putting plugging into a spreadsheet i love a spreadsheet if you don't love a spreadsheet (laughs) learn to love it because it's really useful i can't stand these apps i think they've gamified it all it's not very um intuitive that's just me so you know it works for some people Mm. um i'm getting you know grumpy and old um (laughs) but sit down and just run it through pretend you're you know the cfo of your own life and you're like oh okay what was this here okay okay and understand what you were doing and and then maybe even like identify what the triggers are like why are we spending more there and then also have financial goals where do you want to be in five years time what do you need to do now in order to get there um that's really helpful and research as much as possible before you make decisions and don't be afraid to ask for help i think that so many people do that there are so many people in the world who are willing to help not everything is bad i know it feels like that at the moment but um there are so many free you know if you haven't got the cash to go to a professional advisor there are a lot of free services like the money advice services um you know the government has got a lot of initiatives if you're in debt um Mm. you can find debt counseling um and try not to despair and don't be hopeless and also remember that a lot of people run on debt no matter how flashy their lives are on the Mm. outside never compare yourself to somebody else because you do not know the amount of credit card debt or you know what they have gone through to achieve that so Mm. be really aware there are a lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes to the illusion of success. That's so interesting. You know, this is going to sound incredibly privileged of me to say, um, but <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't, I had no idea because I've been so lucky in my life that people actually ran on debt. I, I literally only found yeah. that out like a year or so ago. <laughs> I mean, that's so ridiculous, isn't it? But I and I really was like, oh my God, because I found out because I was like, how did you afford that new thing, even Bob? And my friend was like, yeah. oh, I got it on my credit card. And I was like, oh, what? Yeah. You know, this is insane. Well, I never had a credit card until a couple of years ago, and I, I only got yeah. it for emergencies. Uh, yeah, um, same with so me. I think uh, my year. dad as well was just, like, in this mindset of, like, if you do not have the cash, do not buy it. Yes, I come from that as well, absolutely. I got my first credit card, I think, yeah, like, last year. No, maybe not even that. 
that I, I'm wondering, well, I'm is that a healthy thing to, to, to sort of do, only spend what you have? I Obviously, there are exceptions sometimes, but... What is the rule sort of thing with that? Want, you know, and, and you know, sometimes it gets to an emergency where you know you have to put it on there. But mm. it, you know, for everyday frivolous spending, you're only doing your future self a disservice by going out and splashing out on a you know a luxury handbag when you cannot afford it. Like mm. be realistic mm. and template your lifestyle. If your friends are going out and having fun and splashing around, either you're hanging out with the wrong set of friends, or you need to find a way to generate more income so you can live that lifestyle. Do not start waking up debt in order to you know keep up with the Joneses. It's not worth it, honestly. And if your friends are going to disregard you because you cannot keep up with them, they're not your friends. Absolutely. Sound advice. Okay, the last question is, with regards to well-being, self-care and finance, what advice would you give your younger self? Chase money, not boys. <laughs> I love that so much. And I think we'll end it on that brilliant note chase money not boys girls so Lossie thank you so much for coming on Women Who Self Care you have been absolutely fantastic I really want to just make lots of money now be inspired so moving away from the finance world and into the mountains next time we are interviewing the phenomenal Jasmine Paris to give you a little glimpse into how awesome Jasmine is she won the 268 mile yes 268 mile ultra spine race run along the full Pennine way beating the previous record holder by more than 12 hours and doing all this while she was expressing milk for her 14 month year old baby Rowan so you really cannot miss that one but I so hope you enjoyed today's chat with Lottie I absolutely did and I hope you take care